Hello, everybody. Uh, you know what? Screw this. Hi, it's Raul. Welcome to another episode of the Closing Tag Podcast. This is episode 19, and the name of this episode is... Can we please stop with the fake outrage now, please? Working on the title. Anyway, uh, just a quick update on a news story that I cover in this podcast episode. Uh, the Facebook rebrand has, in fact, uh, come down. And they are naming the parent company of Facebook Meta. Take with that information what you want. Anyway, it's Raul. I said that right, but that's okay. Uh, we talk about the Facebook rebrand. We talk about this fake outrage regarding Superman and the jazz rebranding. We also talk about my favorite topic, Kyrie Irving. Yay. Um, I also talk about the NFL and their massive image problem that they have. So yeah, it's a very loaded, very stacked show. And I thank everybody for downloading the podcast and for you know watching us on YouTube and on Facebook. We've got you know hits as far away as Russia and France, and we've got you know some hits here in the Utah area as well as Colorado. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot say that enough. Anyway, all of that, the Facebook videos, the YouTube videos, the podcasts on your favorite providers is brought to you free of charge to you by Galactic Blue, your professional web development, graphic design, and logo design resource. Visit galacticblue.net for more information on how your business can benefit from our services. And with that... Episode 19, we are workshopping the title, but the working title at the moment is, can we please stop with this fake outrage? I will force choke you if you fake outrage over this podcast episode. I kid. Enjoy. Welcome basketball fans and football fans. Welcome comic book dorks and non-comic book dorks alike. Welcome to another edition of The Closing Tag. Hi, I'm Raul Smith. I am the president, CEO, co-founder, and lead developer for Galactic Blue. Don't mind the headset. Brand new mic. I want to thank everybody for watching and listening to the podcast. We are on most of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Pandora, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and more. And each and every video episode of the podcast is available on our dedicated Facebook page, as well as on YouTube. Links are all in the description. When you get there, go say hi, leave a like, sub to the channel, and hit that bell for notification if you could please. I would definitely appreciate it. There is a lot, I mean a lot to get to today. And dare I say this may be the most loaded that this show has been in a while. So let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right in. Nobody cares about my white boy blue. So File this first news story under why am I not surprised by this reaction? Comic book nerddom was in a major upheaval recently over the newest edition of the Superman comics. Now, this is where I normally explain to the listeners what something is, but come on, let's be honest. Has anybody listening to this podcast not read a Superman comic seen a Superman cartoon TV show or movie, or even heard someone referencing Superman. Of all the superheroes in fandom, Superman may be the most popular. 
Except now, the popularity for Superman, or at least his popularity among the right-wing fanatics, has taken a bit of a hit recently. In the latest Superman edition, John Kent, the son of Clark Kent, and hence the son of Superman, came out and admitted that he is bisexual. Now, I could easily stop right there and give you my thoughts, but of course, right-wing Twitter had to do the predictable and yet unintentionally hilarious route. Bear in mind, in the story, Clark Kent and Lois Lane are still very much a couple. I mean, where do you think John came from? Right-wing Twitter proceeded to melt down saying things along the lines of, Superman is not gay. He loves Lois. I won't support DC if they're going to go all social justice warrior on us, and so on and so forth. But as they say, wait, there's more. According to several sources inside DC, the plan is to remove from Superman's credo the words, the American way. You know how he goes, I stand for truth and justice in the American way. Well, apparently now it's just going to be, I stand for truth and justice. So, so let's first address the criticism that all my favorite things now have gay people in them. Stop shoving the gay agenda down mine and everybody's throats. First of all, Becky, if you're that concerned about TV and comic books turning your kids gay, here's a simple solution. You ready? You writing this down? Take the TV and the comic books away. How simple is that? But and no, you're going to be that obsessed with making sure the rest of us can't see it either. So if you really are that obsessed with it, need I remind you of a lot of things that have been right underneath your nose this entire time. Parents back in the 60s believed Elvis's hip gyrations would lead to thousands of pregnant teenage girls and people joining the occult. Google it. It's a thing. Freddie Mercury was practically canceled. I know how people like to use that term canceled for being openly gay. This was back during the Reagan AIDS hysteria. Hell, the only reason Richard Simmons got a pass was because he wasn't as in your face as Mercury. And plus, he was the spokesman for the youth fitness program. Second, hilarious typos that went viral aside, this is Superman Jr. essentially that came out, not OG Superman. There is no history of Superman Jr.'s sexual preference or identity. So we can stop with this whole fake outrage right now. Third, in regards to when did comic books get so liberal? Have you read a comic from the 50s or 60s? There is a Superman comic where Superman is telling a group of kids that hating on somebody because of the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, or even their religion is un-American. His words. It's a shame that those words never made it to the faux conservative Christian crowd. This is a very similar to the fake outrages conservatives have these days over anything that's popular. Marvel, there was representation that all along. I mean, where do you think the X-Men came from? Also, Captain America was literally punching Nazis. Literally, fist to face. Star Wars the outrage over Kathleen Kennedy and the direction she took Star Wars in, not to mention, oh, Ray shouldn't be the main Jedi in this one because she's a nobody. When really these same people were clamoring for Finn to be the main guy. 
Star Trek, I mean, hello. There's been representation in that franchise since the beginning. Keep in mind, people lost their collective minds when Kirk made out with Uhura. Or when Sisko was living the dark side of 1950s America. Or when Dax made out with her lover from a past life who also happened to be a woman. And music. <laughs> I will forever laugh at the amount of people that openly asked. And I'm being dead serious when I say this. When did Rage Against the Machine turn liberal? Have you never heard a Rage Against the Machine song? I will be the first to admit that there's enough fake outrage from both the conservatives and the liberals to make defending either nauseating. But conservatives seem to have this uncanny knack for faking both outrage and their persecution complex. Hell, they practically launched an entire news network on the thing. It's called Fox News. But lastly, and more importantly, we are arguing about the sexual identity and or orientation of a fictional character. Could there be anything more trivial? You know, in a way, I actually do kind of envy conservatives. Hear me out. All the things that are bothering them and are making them feel uneasy about the world they live in. Well, okay, most of the things they can just turn off, shelter their kids from it, and not have to address, explain, or rationalize it like adults. People of color, LGBTQ members, independent women, they don't really have that luxury. Not when they're being beaten, shot at, raped, or even falsely arrested on trumped-up charges. So maybe kind of shell the faux outrage just this one time. I know it's really asking too much to ask. But can we please just shell the fake outrage for once? Oh, and, and Becky, now that you're calmed down, Put away the pitchfork and go get the minivan. It's time to go pick up the kids from soccer practice. So one thing that certainly has not gotten hardly any outrage, fake or otherwise, has been the Telltale Heart, an award-winning film adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's short story, which takes a headfirst deep dive into the Sea of Madness retelling a classic psychological thriller with a mind-bending, pulse-pounding, bloody, disgusting film. Starring award-winning actor Sonny Grimsley and directed by the brilliant McLean Lindquist, Telltale Heart has won awards and made appearances in many short film and independent film festivals, ranging from the FilmQuest Film Festival in Provo, Utah, to being awarded the best short film at the Minefield Film Festival in Albuquerque, New Mexico, to even appearing in international film festivals throughout the world, including recently the Australian Film Festival. Revisit Edgar Allan Poe's short story as this film brings more than just a classic horror story to a new audience but also discovers a creative way to explore the groundbreaking psychological thriller. The narrative is enhanced through an unprecedented use of sounds and light, and the characters blend a modern sensibility with anachronistic charm as seen through an unsettling array of time and space, while a shifting setting disorients the unwitting audience. What is seen and what is heard leads the perplexed audience to ask, what is insanity and what truly constitutes reality? Telltalemovie.com for more information on this brilliantly insane thriller. Also, 
just added to the long list of film festivals the Telltale Heart has been added to is the Diabolical Horror Film Festival, an online film festival showcasing the gruesomest and scariest films out there. Go check it out at filmfreeway.com. That's filmfreeway.com. So since we're on the topic of fake outrage, let's address another minuscule, meaningless controversy, especially since we don't really know all the details of what exactly is going on. And that is this supposed rebrand of the Utah Jazz. So backtrack a little bit here. The Utah Jazz has done some rather interesting rebranding over the years. Never forget, the logo used to be the purple note with the basketball attached in yellow and green. Then they changed it up to a more mountainous logo, purple mountains with white snow to capture the Rocky Mountains with a green, copper, and black outline. Then they decided to change the color scheme to more University of North Carolina type of color scheme with shades of blue and white and gray as the outline. Then they decided to do a half-hearted rebrand, keeping the mountain logo as their primary, but with blue, green, and yellow as the colors, but also bring back the note logo with those same colors as their secondary logo. Then, once then owner, Gail Miller, decided she'd had enough of her son Greg making a mockery of the organization, she reverted the logo full-time back to the note with the same color scheme of blue, green, and yellow, which is the logo you see today. Well, as has been documented on this podcast before, Gail Miller is no longer the majority owner of the Utah Jazz. That distinction now belongs to Ryan Smith, the owner of Qualtrics. And Smith, as you probably may have already guessed, is not afraid to question the status quo, which is kind of what I like about him. He's gone out of his way to ensure the Jazz make it very publicly known what their stance is on social, just, social justice issues, ranging from the players participating in peaceful keyword, Black Lives Matter rallies, to the Jazz Bear participating in pride, to even pledging to offer a a college scholarship to a member of an underprivileged community for every Jazz win. Yes, he's doing that again this year. And, much like Smith, co-minority owner Dwayne Wade, yes, the same Dwayne Wade, has also not been shy about getting actively involved with the Jazz, helping train players like Donovan Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Eric Pascal, and even influences the Salt Lake City Stars, the Jazz minor league team, to draft his son, Zaire Wade, in the annual NBA G League draft. Then there's the rebranding rumors. It all started when the Jazz started promoting upcoming games in the preseason with a rather unique graphics design with a black and white color scheme and a font that can only be described as Oregon Trail-like. Then the rumors really started when somebody on Twitter posted the color scheme of the Utah Jazz, including the colors of their dark mode city uniforms, And owner Ryan Smith replying something to the effect of, yeah, let's bring that number down a bit. Then the most certain dead giveaway of a rebranding coming was when they took the J-Note, as it's called, outside the home arena for the Jazz and plastered jet black vinyl over it, hiding all the colors from before and representing a simple black and white note. Now, two things to keep in mind throughout this entire thing. First, being that none of the NBA teams right now 
can rebrand or change up their uniforms or logos until after the season. The NBA is celebrating their 75th anniversary and with that, wanted all 30 teams to keep their uniform and logo sets mostly intact with the exception of the city uniforms, a fourth uniform uniform set inspired by both the city that the team plays in and the rich history of that team. For instance, with the Jazz, their city uniform is affectionately titled Dark Mode, a yellow to red gradient with half the uniform being black. So if a rebrand is in fact coming for the Jazz, we won't know for certain until after June 15th, which is the approximate end date for the NBA Finals. Second, we don't know for certain if a rebrand is indeed coming. This could be the introduction to the next phase of the city uniform set. Keep in mind, each NBA team is only allowed to keep the same uniform set or same city uniform set for two years before having to change it up as per the NBA's agreement with Nike. So this could be Ryan Smith's way of getting ahead of the curve and addressing the need for a change right away. However, with the entire arena and even the J note and all graphics designs for the Jazz converting to a more black and white scheme, that's not likely to be the case. I will approach this the same way that I approached the Purple Mountain uniforms, the black uniforms of the early 2000s, the blue plane uniforms, the dreadful 2010 to 2014 uniforms, and even the current iteration. Show me what you got. And who knows, on those years where the Jazz will, or the NBA will allow classic unis to be brought back for one year only, maybe the Jazz can start to incorporate the purple notes, the purple mountain, the blue tar heel, and even the blue note uniforms. Just kind of rotate them in and out. There's really no need to get our feathers ruffled over something that hasn't even happened yet. And it's like my mom always used to tell me, worry about crossing that bridge once you get to it. In the meantime, let's all enjoy the season and this current color iteration, since it could very well be the last time we see these iconic uniforms. One of the things that I love about being a fan of the Utah Jazz is how personable and relatable the guys on the team are. Donovan Mitchell, the star of the show, hasn't forgotten where he comes from and makes it an effort to give back to the communities that are most in need. Rudy Gobert has also taken it upon himself to give back to those in need. Joe Ingles seems like the guy that you want to sit down and have a beer with course, Australian beer because he won't drink American. Mike Conley lives in nearby Park City and regularly mingles with folks in town. And then you have the other side of the spectrum. And that's what I'll be focusing on today. In particular, two players, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Yes, I am going to rant on Kyrie Irving again because, trust me, he's earned it. But for now, let's start with Ben Simmons. Now, for those that may not have been paying attention, Simmons, a six foot nine freak of nature point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers, at least as of this recording, he's still with the 76ers, has been indefinitely suspended due to what the team calls conduct detrimental to the team. So here's the backstory. Back during the playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks, Simmons not only whiffed hard on his defensive assignments, that being Atlanta's rising star point guard Trey Young, but he also refused to shoot, drive, or draw any kind of contact or play defense. 
If anything, the man avoided contact if at all possible. Though, if you look at his free throw shooting, which was an abysmal and frankly embarrassing 34% from the free throw line during the playoffs last season, you can see why he didn't want to go to the free throw line that often. After the season, or series ended rather, well, season and series for them, both coach Doc Rivers and star center Joel Embiid made some rather pointed comments about Simmons, all but saying he was the reason they lost the series. Fast forward to training camp just a couple months ago, Simmons was nowhere to be found. He even went as far as ghosting management, coaches, and teammates. Persona non grata was Mr. Simmons. Though he was seen during multiple interviews during this time saying that he wanted out of Philadelphia. Meanwhile, general manager Daryl Morey was working, and I'm using air quotes on this one, on a trade that would give Simmons his wish. Problem was, he was asking for an impossible return package. Rising stars, plural, future first-round draft picks, plural, and future draft swaps, or draft swaps, plural. For a guy that only averages 16 points a game in his career, not even in their most drunk and inebriated states of mind would any NBA general manager agree to those terms. Then came the preseason. Simmons at least showed up this time for practice, though to be fair, he was there. He was only there basically so he wouldn't get fined. He looked completely uninterested almost like he was being held hostage or worse, working at Amazon. He didn't participate in any of the mandatory shooting or defensive drills and was ultimately sent home by Coach Rivers. That's when the suspension came down. This, of course, did bring up draft notes on Ben Simmons from uh, scout Jonathan Giovanni, which read... Keep in mind, this was when Simmons was being vaulted as the projected number one overall pick in the draft. And I quote, Simmons' lack of competitiveness in crucial games has raised questions about his character. Those who don't invest say he needs things to revolve around him on and off the court and that he's often been closed-minded to coaching or instruction. And Quote, listen, the guy may actually be a freak of nature, and he's certainly athletically talented. I don't deny that. But every time he's standing outside the three-point line with the ball in his hand by himself because defenses know not to guard him close because he won't dare shoot, he looks like a damn deer in the headlights. And while I don't discount that there may have been some events happening behind the scenes that caused Simmons to fall out of favor with the team, him not putting in any effort at all is 100% on him. He has to realize that this is a business first, plain and simple. And the best way to put yourself out there business-wise is to do the work. Go out there, earn your keep, build yourself up, so then that way, Maury won't be calling other teams looking to trade you to them. The other teams will call Maury wanting you on their team. Go about it, going about it the way he has almost guarantees that A, no other team will want anything to do with him. And B, once this current contract expires, he'll never get anywhere close to this level of money again. Of course, I'm talking about the five-year, $177 million contract, which guarantees him $33 million for this season, 
regardless of whether he plays or not. Which, let's be honest, was probably his play all along. And then there's the bestest and greatest friend of the Closing Tag podcast, Kyrie Irving. Since we last spoke of Mr. Irving's antics and theatrics, including the flat earth stuff, the burning the sage in Boston's arena, the sneaking out of the bubble to attend random birthday parties, Irving has thumbed his nose once again, only this time not just at the Brooklyn Nets, but the entire NBA. Since the recent spikes in COVID cases, the NBA in an attempt to ensure the safety of the players and staff of each team, as well as the fans, has allowed teams to institute their own rules regarding vaccination, testing, and masks in the arena. A few teams have been a little lenient than most uh, regarding vaccinations. However, the Nets have been one of the more adamant in terms of vaccine requirements, partly due to the state of New York and their strict mandate that requires all parties attending events in both Madison Square Garden, where the Knicks play, and the Barclays Center, where the Nets play, to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. This has not sat well with Mr. Irving, who has repeatedly gone on record as saying that he refuses to divulge his vaccination records to the Nets, organization, to the state of New York, or to the NBA, saying that he's, quote, fighting for my privacy and my personal rights. As a result of his choosing to not cooperate with the vaccine mandate, the Nets have suspended Irving indefinitely until he can provide a valid and satisfactory vaccination record. This has then in turn re-sparked the COVID vaccination debate, causing many who don't agree with the CDC's recommendation to get the vaccine to side with Irving. Now listen, whether you want to get the vaccine or not is entirely up to you. I recommend doing it, but it's up to you. Whether you will be allowed to work for your current employer if you don't is entirely up to them. Nobody's constitutional rights have been violated as a result of this. We can stop with this whole tyranny nonsense right now. Again, you're fighting the wrong battles here. But for Kyrie, this isn't about COVID vaccinations or the right to not get it. Hell, this isn't even about staying healthy. For Kyrie Irving, this is about one thing and one thing only. And it's the same thing that's always been about with this guy ever since he forced his way out of Cleveland. What stupid thing can I say or do to get the most attention from the media? And the sad part is, it's working. Donald Trump has quote-tweeted him. Black Lives Matter is rallying around his quote-unquote cause. He's been the nonstop topic of every sports talk program in the country. The attention whore is getting his fix, which is sad. Here you have a freakishly athletic six foot nine point guard in Ben Simmons who refuses to do anything unless he's the center of attention. And even then, it's not a guarantee. Then you have a point guard in Kyrie Irving who admittedly has the best handles of anybody I've seen since Tim Hardaway Sr and yet has this insatiable need to make everything about him. Flat Earth? Yeah, man, I've heard some things too. Sneaking out of the bubble? You son of a bee, count me in. COVID vaccines? Yeah, I don't really believe in them either. What's next? Holocaust denial? Spreading alt facts? Wanting to go to space with Jeff Bezos, 
Well, at least then he'll maybe finally shut up about the flat earth nonsense. Two of the best point guards in the entire NBA, both so desperate for attention and acknowledgement, and neither of which will be playing for the foreseeable future because of their insatiable need for that attention and acknowledgement. Memo to Ben and Kyrie, might I recommend getting a puppy next time? It's great for giving wants and love and attention, and it won't cost you millions of dollars. Promise you that one. Oh, and in case you're wondering, as of this recording, no, James Harden is not doing that much better. I think the new rule changes seem to have taken a toll on the guy, along with, well, you know, age and lack of speed. But at least the Russell Westbrook in L.A. experiment is going good, right? Right? The NFL, or National Football League, is experiencing a bit of an image crisis. After all but alienating the far-right segment of their audience, the NFL has seen some drops in viewership. But in order to truly embrace this new socially acceptable image, they knew they had to weed out all the rotten apples in the basket. One such apple that essentially everybody knew about was Washington football team owner Daniel Snyder. The NFL opened an investigation into allegations surrounding the conducts of both Snyder and former team general manager Bruce Allen. This goes back to complaints from several women who tried out for the cheerleading team years ago. The, the allegations suggest that Allen and several other high-ranking employees on the Washington team secretly distributed nude photos of the cheerleading hopefuls without taken without their knowledge or consent. So let's stop right there for about two seconds. If that alone was the only thing wrong with this culture, that alone would be enough to warrant a full-scale sexual harassment and, dare I say, sexual assault case against Allen and the other Washington team members. But regrettably, as you'll see here in a bit, that wasn't the only thing wrong with the scenario. In addition to the cheerleading scandal, Allen and other Washington team members have been accused of several ethical violations, including not paying their employees behind the scenes enough money comparable to other NFL teams. But the depravity doesn't end with Washington. Oh, no, no, no. Emails uncovered during Commissioner Roger Goodell's investigation also revealed some rather disturbing email correspondences between Allen and now former Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden, who Allen had a personal friendship with that led to John's son, Jay Gruden, to be hired as the head coach for the Washington football team. The emails revealed John Gruden to say some rather awful and socially unacceptable things about players, cheerleaders, non-athletic staff, and even Commissioner Goodell himself. The emails were so reprehensible and so out of line that Raiders owner Mark Davis walked into Gruden's office on an off night and minutes later, Gruden announced his resignation from the team. Now, Gruden, as popular and as influential as he may be, is but one small piece of a much larger puzzle, and that puzzle is the NFL's current image crisis. Now, I don't want to make this solely about race, but this is probably going to be about 50% about race. Of the 32 NFL franchises, 30 of them are owned by white majority owners and, with the exception of the fan-owned Green Bay Packers, none of the current owners are under the age of 55. Of those 31 teams, only one has a minority owning the team, Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shahid Khan, is of Pakistani descent. And of that 
group, 25 are owned by men. So you have all these teams owned by old mentality, older white men, basically. Only six are majority owned by women. Seattle Seahawks owner Jody Allen, who took over for her brother, the late Paul Allen. Tennessee Titans owner Amy Adams Shrunk, not to be confused with the actress Amy Adams. Detroit Lions owner Shield Ford Hamp, who took over for her late father. Gail Benson, widow to the late former New Orleans Saints owner Tom Benson. Houston Texans owner Janice McNair, who took over for the late Bob McNair. Are you noticing a pattern here? And Chicago Bears owner Virginia Hallis McCaskey. Packers fan ownership aside, because I think that to this day is still one of the coolest concepts in all of sports. The fact that not one owner in the NFL is young enough to not remember the Nixon presidency is a major problem. And it's not just about the age. You can have an old owner in sports and that owner can still bring forth some unique and innovative ideas that could actually be considered trend setting. It's this good old boys club mentality that precedes the majority of the NFL owners. Go back to the list of women owners. A good majority of them took over after their husbands or other beloved family members died. Now, granted, a lot of good can come from a different mindset, but the problem is not one of these women have a differing mindset from their male counterparts. The NFL is predicated on old mentality, old philosophies, and old, almost archaic systems, a culture that will not survive the 2020s. In order for the NFL to be hip and cool again with a younger audience, it has to change with the times. Look at the other sports leagues. UFC is constantly evolving and constantly changing. Dana White being the spearhead of that change. The NBA is also constantly evolving, constantly changing, and has collectively tackled social issues like racial inequality, LGBT representation and women being treated fairly and appropriately. It also helps that the majority of the owners are under the age of 60, including the youngest owner of the NBA, Utah's Ryan Smith. The NHL and Major League Soccer have done their part to fight back against hatred of all kinds in their respective communities. Even Major League Baseball has been adamant in trying to combat racism and homophobia in their sport. The NFL can preach all at once about women's equality, but until the roots of misogyny and sexually aggressive behavior towards women have been pulled, it's hollow words echoing throughout loud stadiums, nothing more. The NFL can show all the support at once for Black Lives Matter. But until it admonishes and eliminates systemic racism in their own ranks, including Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, openly saying he'll cut and or fire anybody seen kneeling during the national anthem, it means nothing. Bottom line, until the NFL eliminates the John Grudens, the Jerry Joneses, the Daniel Siders, and every other entity that is holding back the winds of progress, the words mean nothing. The ball, as they say, is at your 20-yard line, Goodell. Your move. Hello, everybody. Raul Smith here with an important programming update. So you may have noticed on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash galacticblue1, that there hasn't been a lot of activity on it. 
And the reason for that is because we haven't really done anything. Um, there have been a lot of developments in my personal life uh, that have resulted in the site build for the closing tag kind of coming to a grinding halt. But I do plan on getting back into it either the first or second week of November. So, as always, follow me on Twitter at GalacticBlueUS or follow me on Facebook, the Galactic Blue uh, website. Uh, also, uh, just a quick update. Uh, we are going to be getting, kind of getting a little bit more into the weeds of how the back end is going to work on the next one. So keep an eye out for that. And I will see you guys on Twitch. So stop me if you've heard this one before. Company gets in hot water. Company loses public trust. Instead of the owner admitting to his transgressions, which led company to hot water leading to the loss of public trust, owner announces company is rebranding in a desperate attempt to regain public trust. If this story sounds familiar, it should. Many companies in varying size have tried this technique over the years with varying results. Companies can also rebrand in an attempt to keep up with the times. I'm in discussions of such a rebranding right now with Galactic Blue. The keep up with the times rebrand, not the deep trouble rebrand, just so we're clear. Well, turns out Mark Zuckerberg, not one to be outdone, has given the green light on such a rebrand for Facebook. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it's likely he's already undergone the rebrand. Facebook has been the center of some major controversy in the last few years, most of which center around the blatant spread of misinformation and data farming. So let's backtrack. Zuckerberg, everyone's least favorite cosplayer of Commander Data from Star Trek, was called for Congress years ago to explain how Facebook, a public-traded company with a net worth of tens of billions of dollars, is able to make money despite offering the social media platform to users for free. Zucker's response, or Zuckerberg's response, while short and to the point, told an entirely new story. We sell ads. Now, other companies offer free services with advertising as their main source of revenue. Google offers many services, including their search engine and YouTube services for free. Services like YouTube TV and Google pay-per-click advertising, however, do bring in some revenue for the company. Other online companies like Bing and Twitter are also free of charge to the public. But as a wise man once put it, nothing is ever truly free. Zuckerberg's comment about selling ads, while short and concise, opened a whole new can of worms and a federal investigation was launched. Turns out Zuckerberg was selling more than just ads. He has sold millions of user information to these same advertisers in an attempt to personalize advertising on Facebook, making it far more effective than just routine advertising. And if that's not bad enough, Zuckerberg has also been at the center of another controversy, only this time pertaining to the spread of information regarding the coronavirus or COVID-19, as well as Donald Trump's stolen election campaign, which ultimately led to the January 6, 2021 insurrection attempt on Capitol Hill. Many users complained that their posts clarifying that vaccines do in fact work and the death toll for COVID was much higher than being led to believe were ultimately taken down by Facebook moderators due to what was explained as, quote, a violation of Facebook's terms of service, end quote. So, if you're one of the 10 richest people on the planet, staring down two pretty heavy federal investigations 
which could lead to tighter restrictions on your company, as well as federal oversight, which of these would you choose? A, own up to it, stand before the Federal Oversight Committee and face the music. B, as you did with so many other court cases, stand defiantly and thumb your nose at authority. Or C, change the name of your company and rebrand in an attempt to sweep your past transgressions under the rug. If you guessed C, congratulations, you get a cookie. Just not the edible kind, more like the storing data on your computer kind. Now, Zuckerberg can claim all he wants about how he's trying to get more actively involved in the metaverse, but it could just as easily be an attempt to distance key areas of Facebook's proje projects to build future tech from the overwhelming scrutiny of congressional oversight, as well as both upset customers and antitrust activists breathing down their necks. Keep in mind, this is not the first time this sort of rebrand has happened. Hell, this isn't even the first time in the last 15 years that's happened. Back in 2015, Google was facing a similar slew of congressional scrutiny and antitrust litigation when it announced the parent company was rebranding to be named Alphabet, under which Google, YouTube, and other departments would then be housed. So while this may be viewed by many as a completely unethical and immoral move by Zuckerberg and the Facebook team, it's actually a really smart strategy, at least in terms of restructuring the company to focus on the smaller, potentially more lucrative projects. As far as Congress and antitrust litigation is concerned, though, this problem is not going to go away on its own. But as history has shown, when Zuckerberg is backed against a legal corner, that's usually when he's as most dangerous. Don't expect this story to go away anytime soon. And with that, we are out of time for today. I want to thank each and every person that is watching the archive video on YouTube, downloading the pod on their preferred podcast providers, such as Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and others, or even checking us out at our new Facebook page. Links are all in the description. Every view, every download, every listen counts. So as always, thank you. A reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Galactic Blue, your professional web development, graphic design, and logo design resource. Visit galacticblue.net for more information on how your business can benefit from our service. If you'd like to help support the podcast, I am always open to suggestions. Hit me up at raul at theclosingtag.com. Thank you guys again for listening and for watching. And remember, everyone, to always include your closing tags.